brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with the military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Be sure to enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast. And in support of women in developing countries, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com and become part of their unarmed forces today. And by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Are you wearing the Marthas on your head right now? Yeah. Hallie, she's wearing the Marthas on her head right now. She looks so cute in them. Come look. Tally, come look. Sorry, it's the president of my company. She's going to love that. She needs this. Those are so cute on I you. I love them so Dude, much. I can't wear them. Why? They're, because they look like this. Come look at how cute she looks. Come around and look. Come on. Come on. This is Tally. She's the president of my company. She hates being on camera. So this is fun. Look how cute those look. Hi. I know. They're adorable. Yeah, they are. I can't they're wear them. So awesome. I, I love, love them. them. They're too big for you? Yeah, because my face is like a, a miniature four-year-old's head. It, My five-year-old's head is legitimately arguably bigger than mine. So if it makes you feel any better. Five-year-olds have big heads. They, well, yeah, he's a, he's a beef. We call him beefcakes. So like hi, that. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I know. Um, that was very nice of, um, I appreciate Nicole kind of putting me on your radar there. I appreciate that a lot. Um, that was really sweet of her to do. Um, yeah. So I know you have a hard out at 10, which is perfect because I got to go jump on a plane. So that will work. Do I you do. have, it any- has to be a bit, it actually is 10. Is that in an hour from now? Yes. Okay. I need, I actually need to, I have a hard out 15 minutes before then. No problem. That just okay. let me know. That's no issue for me at all. Okay. Whatever works, girl. I know you got stuff. Um, so do you have any questions before we just kind of roll in? Not at all. I think we should just get started. Okay, cool. All right. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, everyone has been really excited about having you on the show. We have told everybody well in advance that Michaela Peterson was coming on. And of course, I got the standard amount of questions you would think that I would get when they know anything about you, but I have my own list of questions and my own curiosities about what this, this meat eating woman who looks the opposite of a meat eating woman should look like. I have so many things I want to know about you, but first I want to start off really with what is this? You have a book coming out. I do. It's called could be worse. Uh, and I think it'll be out around March. There's a paper shortage in America because of COVID, there's an everything shortage. So it's been a bit delayed, uh, but it's about my experience with an autoimmune disorder and putting that into remission with diet and with this crazy all meat diet. And then the last couple of years of like my family kind of being more thrown into the spotlight, my dad. So hopefully I'm hoping it'll kind of show people my, how I figured out how to heal. Right. So that they can kind of understand where it's coming from. Cause just coming at them with like all meat diet, fix my autoimmune disorder is quite a lot. I need like a book's worth of information to explain what brought me to that point. 
Yeah. Well, not only that is it's, it's an intimidating diet to, yeah. to not only speak about, but to actually implement into your daily life. Yes. So for, for you, I kind of started to follow you obviously through your dad. I think I want to arguably say that most people, your dad really was the one that started off that kind of viral sensation that is your yes. family. <laughs> so I think that's fair to say. Definitely. Um, but I, I've always been a follower of, of your, your dad's literature in as soon as he put his book out. But before that, I started watching some of his, I guess, you, his, oh, his seminars, his, his classes, his whatever. I, I heard about him. And I, when it struck me the most was his accountability. And I thought to myself, well, there's, a, there's, a, there's kids here. He has kids. And, and I started looking you up and I'm like, oh, he has smart kids. And I'm like, oh, I need to talk to this woman because... <sighs> There is this perception within having um, famous parents or parents of some other type of, um, you know, even professors have this air about them or doctors and surgeons have this air about them. So being a child of that, what was that like for you to have that kind of experience? Because this really has been fairly recent. Yeah, it's pretty much been 20 since 2016 and then more. It was quite intense starting then, but more since 2018. Uh, so what was the experience like? It's been really stressful. Uh, it was really hard. I, I think because it was controversial, my dad's kind of growth to fame was surrounded in controversy. So it wasn't all fun and games of, you know, uh, the media was after him. And then his, he was worried about his job at U of T. Uh, so it was quite hard on my family at the beginning, because when you, when you first have like an article written about you, then it's shocking. And then eventually you get used to it, but it takes like a number of years. It took a number of years to kind of get more used to it and be like, okay, if someone writes an article that's completely slanderous and full of lies, it doesn't really matter. But at the beginning, it's like, how could they say these things? What are people going to think? What are my friends going to think? And I guess eventually we got desensitized, but it took, you know, two and a half years of every time there was some new controversy, it just being a complete catastrophe for my family. So it's been weird. It's been super weird. I'm very grateful for all the opportunity that's presented itself to me being his daughter. And I helped him navigate his work and simplify his life while he was on tour and grow social media and handle the online products, do translations, like a number of projects. So that's been fun. Uh, I wouldn't change it for sure, but it's been very stressful. It's just recently become less stressful. And then there were a bunch of health problems at the same time. It's been a crazy five years. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. It, I don't know that anything anyone could have done or taught you could have prepared you for really. No. No. Look at that face. No, God, no. It's like, well, because I always wonder about those things because I'm very, very just I'm dipping a toe into the public sector right now for the first time in a way. And I've just started to see the the drops in the, you know, the bucket of the people who have the things to say that really mean nothing, but yet they still say yeah. that. <laughs> no one prepares you or educates you or, or there's no training for what you walk into with this. And I think a lot of people overlook what that does to a human being 
when you're in a spotlight or you're, you know, you're slowly getting there or you're, you're so big that it's so overwhelming that living a normal life just isn't normal anymore for you. And for you, that must, that had to have been difficult because with autoimmune disease and all of these other ailments that you did struggle with previously does not stress, does that not exacerbate the situation much, much more for you? Well, I was on it. A number of medications for autoimmune disorder and for bipolar and like psych meds. And so my tolerance to stress was like terrible. When I got off of yeah. medication, when I first put everything into remission with diet, I stopped taking some of the medications too rapidly and I had really severe SSRI withdrawal. So that hit, my dad went through the same thing that hit us at the same time as the controversy. And so I would say most of the stress we experienced was probably more likely due to the SSRI withdrawal rather than the controversy, but people, human beings are not meant to have that amount of attention. Like you can't adapt to that. You're supposed to have these tiny little relationships. And if someone reacts negatively to something you're saying, perhaps they're right. So then you adapt your behavior to match what society deems acceptable. But when you're exposed to that, because there are thousands and thousands of people coming at you, there's mm-hmm. no way to adapt to that. I don't think anybody, I suppose if you, maybe if you grow up with it, like maybe if you have a super famous adult and then it's like that since you're really little, maybe you can kind of adapt, but I don't see that being a particularly comfortable way to live. Well, I mean, if you, if you, if you look back at people like Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah, I mean, it, you watch these kids grow up. You you see what's the Home Alone kid? I can't remember his name. Macaulay like, Culkin. Oh my God, Macaulay Culkin. But you see these kids that grow up in this, and it's if, if there's not enough education or protection around those children, they're being put into the fire for what it seems like on the outside, at least. Yeah, I don't know what you could teach people though. Like I think that the human nervous system just isn't built to withstand that kind of pressure, and so people. I can remember just when I was younger, probably more as a teenager, looking at actors or somebody who was famous and being like, well, what do they have to complain about? And kind of like a jealous and resentful way. I was like, oh, whatever. They've got like, they have money and they have all these things. Like, what do they have to complain about? But then when, and I just got like a taste of it, the amount of stress that comes with it is so insane that I can't imagine having to be like a 14 year old and deal with that without being able to understand it. It sounds very unpleasant. I have a lot more compassion towards people who are having a hard time who are in the spotlight. It's way mm-hmm. harder to have a hard time when people are watching than to have a hard time when people aren't watching. Isn't that the truth? My God, you guys have really gone through the gamut with it too. I mean, it's it's no secret that there's been, you know, you guys have had health issues and it's fascinating to me um, really your what's the word I'm looking for here? Your come off of the medication, because here, what we really discuss a lot about is, is mental health, but we talked to all different types of people about this. And there seems to be a common denominator that I am seeing over a pattern of time where medication is constantly being overprescribed, whether it's for bipolar, schizophrenic, um, ADHD medication in children. It seems like that is the first quick answer we give as a Western society. And I'm, I'm wondering what that experience has been like for you kind of going through that, starting to having, you know, starting from your first med to where you're at now, if you could run me through that, I'd love to, I would love to know. Sure. So, um, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was in grade two. 
And I was put on immune. Yeah. And it was bad. It was in like 37 joints. It was almost everywhere except for my spine. And I was nearly wheelchair bound in grade three. So it was really bad. And I was put on immune suppressants that I injected. So serious immune suppressants. And I had um, cortisone injections into my joints and that almost reversed the arthritis fairly rapidly, but immune suppressants are intense. So I was sick like all the time because you're a kid. So I'd get sick in September and then I would never get better. So I was on antibiotics all the time for bronchitis. Uh, And then in grade six, I was put on SSRIs um, for major depressive disorder. So my symptoms were like, I wasn't sleeping. I was having really severe nightmares. I had this phobia that somebody was going to come in and like hurt me. I remember I had like a bag packed under my bed for this, for this like intrusion that could potentially happen. I knew how to take like the window out of my basement window. Like I was really living in a state of like fight or flight fear. Yes. Um, And that was probably exacerbated by the immune suppressants and the like level of inflammation in my body. But Mm -hmm. regardless, it manifested in really severe depression. And so I was put on SSRIs in grade six. And so young, but I can understand what happened. Like I went to see a psychiatrist at the hospital where I was being treated for arthritis. And a lot of kids who are chronically ill have mental problems as well, Mm -hmm. which isn't surprising. Um, and so they're like, well, what do you do with somebody who's that freaked out all the time? You have to calm them down. Right. Um, and they didn't talk like at that time, they didn't know anything. And they, I'm, I'm positive. They don't talk about diet or anything now too, but at that time they most certainly didn't. So it was like, well, take these, they'll help. And initially they probably, they helped. I can remember feeling relaxed and being able to sleep better and things. So it, it made a pretty massive difference initially. But I got sicker. Um, my mental health got worse. I started getting rashes. Um, I got I was chronically fatigued when I was 14. And then when I was 17, I had my hip and ankle replaced from the arthritis that wasn't controlled from the immune suppressants. And did you have a whole sorry, not to interrupt. Did you have a whole hip replacement? Yeah, hip and ankle. The hip replacement was the least of my problems, honestly. The ankle replacement was terrible. The hip replacement was pretty easy for a replacement. <laughs> Low bar. Sitting, I like, I know I'm thinking to myself, I, I, sorry, I do this where I, you say some people say things and I just have to wrap my brain around it for a second because I know you're a mom and I know what my hips feel like now after giving birth and they're my natural hips. So I'm concerned for your hips right now. <laughs> sorry. Just got really worried about your hips. They, they're it's, they do a really good job with hip replacements. Like they're okay, it's great. A simple <laughs> joint. It's just like, looks like this. Right. Right. And what they do is they put something into your yep. hip here and then they replace this whole thing. And then they, they stick it down into your leg. So it's Ooh. simple enough that they're actually mm-hmm. pretty good at hip replacements. So my hip now is like stiff if you're in like a cross leg position, but yep. I don't have any pain and it's been pretty much good to go since I had it replaced hip replacements. Yeah. For like people scared of replacements, hip, they've got hip replacements, like down pat. They're dialed. <laughs> they're, 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 they're good. Ankle replacements. Not so much because that's a much more complicated joint. So that right. gave me, that was like re- pretty bad for about 10 years. And then I had to have it replaced again and now it's okay. Oh my God. Okay. It's keep been going. It's been quite a life. Um, anyway, I got sicker and sicker 
I had those two joints replaced when I was 17. And then my mental health got a lot worse when I went away to university and I was kind of, my antidepressants went up. I was put on another antidepressant. Like I was just switched around from some medications, um, that caused a whole bunch of terrible side effects. And when I was 23, I had this rash and it stopped healing. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out what's wrong with me. Or I think it's going to kill me because at that point it was like, I had arthritis everywhere. I was on seven different medications. My mental health was a disaster. I was sleeping so much. I was on Adderall to keep myself awake or I just slept all the time. Um, So when I was 23, I just started reading and I first started reading about this rash I was trying to fix. And I came to the conclusion that gluten could be triggering the rash. Right. And then I went on an elimination diet and that was kind of the beginning of me starting to feel better. So anyway, about three months into this elimination diet. So that was like a lot of meat, fish, greens, Mm -hmm. and then some root vegetables. So it was like really restrictive paleo. Um, Three months into that, I felt way better. My arthritis was basically gone. My rash had cleared up. My chronic fatigue had left. And that, that was, I had that from 14 to 23 and it had never stopped. So it let up after three months. So I stopped taking Adderall. Um, and then a couple of weeks after I stopped taking Adderall, my depression lifted for the first time in my entire life. So this like, yeah, this feeling of like walking through mud or tar, just being heavy and having this like gray cloud around my world and feeling like I was mourning, like that just Mm -hmm. constant feeling lifted, which it was the first time in my entire life that I hadn't had that. I didn't even know that you could live without that. I didn't know what life felt like without that. And I was at that point, I was like, okay, I'd stop taking my immune suppressants because my arthritic symptoms had gone down. I'd stop taking the Adderall. I'd stop taking the antibiotics for my skin. I'd stopped everything except for the antidepressant. And at that Mm -hmm. point I was like, was diet behind all of my health issues? I'm not taking any... Oh, it was crazy. Like I was in shock for like two and a half years almost after that, because I'd grown up thinking the only help I was getting was from the medical system and there was nothing I could do about it. And I was really lucky to have the medical system where I like, I wouldn't be able to walk. Right. So it was a huge switch. It was like, whoa, this might've been controllable. Yeah. And, and then I stopped taking my antidepressant and it turns out people become dependent, like physically dependent on antidepressants. And I'd been taking them since grade six at a really yeah. high dose. And I was like, the depression's gone. I could feel that it was gone. So I stopped taking the antidepressants over a period of like two and a half weeks. And I cut it down in half, didn't notice anything, cut it down in half again, didn't notice anything, stopped taking it, didn't notice anything. And two weeks later, I started experiencing SSRI withdrawal. And then for the next, and, it, and SSRI withdrawal was so much worse than the depression I had been experiencing that I cannot Ish, describe a bitch. It, it was, mm-hmm. I had, I had periodic visual hallucinations for about a year of just mm-hmm. horrible thing that f- I had this feeling that I was falling. Sometimes I had nerve pain. I had light sensitivity and sound sensitivity and temperature sensitivity. It would like, I couldn't sleep periodically, which was the opposite of the chronic fatigue. It was catastrophic and I had no idea what was going on. So at the time I was like, I seem to be reacting to foods. I got really sensitive to carbs. And oh, so I was like, okay. I was like, well, I'm, I'm really severely sensitive to carbs, but now I know that that was exacerbated from the SSRI withdrawal. 
the SSRIs that you were on, <clears throat> sorry, I, I want to touch on those if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, because the community at large, the veteran and first responder community, that's like the number one thing they give us like right yeah. off the bat. They just shove it down your throat before yeah. you even tell them what the problem is. And that's a big thing I'm very against. And I was on an SSRI for uh, 11, 11 years. And I was very dependent on it as well. And I went off of it this January was the last time I was on the last pharmaceutical med. I was on 10 as well. So they, wow. I weaned my way down. What I, when you, you said something though, that caught my attention, I just took a little note of it. You said, I noticed the depression had lifted, but I was still on the SSRI. What did that feel like to you when the depression had lifted? Because I know there's going to be listeners who was like, I've been on this SSRI for 10 years, yeah. 20 years. What does that actually feel like to know what it lifts so that you can know that, that you might not need that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question because it was really tricky for me to differentiate between like, at, you know, when you stop taking SSRIs and then you to potentially get SSRI withdrawal, the doctors will say, oh, it's your underlying condition and it's back. So right. there's a difference between like depression and SSRI withdrawal and depression for me felt like I just described it like physically moving was hard. Like, mm -hmm. like I was covered in tar or something. So my limbs were really heavy. Um, I was panicky and really jumpy. And I had this constant feeling of mourning, like someone close to me had died, but it was like a physical feeling just heavy. Yeah. In my like solar plexus kind of area right there the feely spot. It's your intuition spot. It's the feely yeah. spot. Yeah. 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 So, and it was really, really obviously horrible when it yeah. lifted, everything got lighter so I could walk better. Mm -hmm. My, my color perception changed so I could see colors more vividly. The sound of music was brighter. So it was oh, like, wow. Oh yeah. It was massively different. And that happened while I was on SSRIs and it happened when the rest of my autoimmune symptoms lessened or went away when mm -hmm. I dramatically changed my diet. I never okay. got out of the depression before I changed my diet. That's what I was going to say to you, because I know when, when you, like you say, you have these discussions with these doctors at a very early and young age, and there's no discussion of sugar intake, carb intake, processed food intake, yeah. how that's just affecting kids in general before you even medicate them. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you do that while you were on all of these drugs, like, especially when you got into your late teens and you had going through major surgeries and those take long recovery points. When that depression was there, did you ever, because you had always lived in that depressive state, it felt like from very young on, did you yeah. ever have the suicidal ideations or was yeah. that just normal? Um, so I had suicidal ideation, I would say before I started taking antidepressants when I was little and it wasn't, okay. I wouldn't, it wasn't as strong as ideation. It was just like, would people care if I was still here? So it was like the very oh, beginning of that the ramp up the ramp up. Yeah. And then I had, when I, I got switched from an SSRI to an SNRI. And when that happened, I felt like hurting myself. It was like an impulse. Um, oh. but I got off of that very quickly. SNRIs were not good for me. Hard nose for you, huh? Hard nose. Yeah. So I didn't, so no, I would say the depression I had didn't really have suicidal ideation. It was like panic and fear, but mostly this really heavy sense of mourning and doom. Oh, that's, I mean, that's impending <laughs> doom. 
impending doom. I mean, that's terrifying all on its own um, without even having to think about anything else as a kid, just feeling that impending doom constantly yeah. happen. That's not ideal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's not the route we want to go when we're raising kids, but we do what we can. Yeah. Um, so you went through all of that, having all of those replacements and moving forward. Once you got to university, that where did you end up going to university? Were you close to home? Did you know, my parents wanted me to stay close to home because they're like, oh, your doctors are here. Yeah, fair. And I, and I was so I was like, no. So I went to Montreal. They're in Toronto. I was like, no, see ya. You went to McGill? Concordia. I went to the oh, Concordia. Ooh, girl, you fancy. I just Damn. didn't get in. No, it's not even that. I wanted to get into McGill, but because I had my hip replacement in May and my ankle replacement in November, I missed mm-hmm. almost two years of high school because it was a full year high school. So oh, I missed wow. like the end of one year and the beginning of the next year. So Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I was not intelligent enough to get into Ottawa U, so I went to Algonquin. So it's fine. It's like we all have our backup plans, okay? <laughs> they all work out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, well, that's fantastic. I love that. And so you, once you went to university, though, and you started to come off of these medications, you, you would have had to have felt some type of stressor. Would you have not? I mean, you're going into a full university program. You've moved away. You're no longer around your doctors and your subset of support. Oh, so I actually moved home. So I went okay. to university and I got really sick. Like I changed okay. my diet. I was surviving off of like pizza and pasta and beer Great. and like Mr. Noodles or Itchy Ban. Good times. But I okay. like, I, yeah, I got way worse. So after a year and a half of university, I dropped out and went home. Okay. And it was about. And I, I, anyway, so then, then I went back to university and I went into science because I thought I need to figure out what's wrong with me. Maybe I need to get a PhD in microbiology or immunology, or just try to figure out what's wrong with me. And Mm -hmm. then it was eight months after that, when I found diet and then started weaning off of medication. So I was back in Toronto at that point. Okay. So you, and then you would switch to, so you didn't go right to the the lion's diet. You went, you kind of figured your way up to see, just to move meds away and once you were able to get off of that last medication and you were back in Toronto, when did you really go hard on the meat? Ah, that is a sentence. I heard it. Sorry, I'm a child. <laughs> Michaela, when did you start going hard on the meat? It wasn't until, so I was on paleo and my symptoms right. went away. My depression went away. My arthritis went away. My rash went away. My chronic fatigue went away. It was very restrictive paleo. I was only eating about 15 foods. Like I said, it was like... <laughs> It was like meat and fish and salad and sweet potatoes and carrots. And that was about basically it, but that worked. It wasn't until I stopped taking the SSRI and then I, I went like completely nuts. So every time I tried to have more carbs, I'd have all this like pain, insomnia, visual disturbances. That's what the medical community calls them. But I was full on hallucinating and it, I didn't know that that was SSRI withdrawal until like. I found out more about it this year. So it was just this mystery of like, why am I so sensitive to carbs and sound and light and heat? Um, so that year also about eight months after I stopped taking SSRIs, 10 months, no, a year, almost okay. exactly a year after I stopped taking SSRIs, I was still experiencing SSRI withdrawal. I got pregnant and then my paleo diet stopped working. 
So during the pregnancy, my arthritis came back not as bad as it had previously, but like badly enough that I didn't want to live like that. So my arthritis was back. I was itchy. My chronic fatigue never came back, but that's good. Yeah. Um, I was depressed and I was like, why is this diet not working for me? I'm being really strict. Like what's Mm -hmm. going on? And so that was throughout the pregnancy. I was pretty miserable throughout the pregnancy. And I was like, maybe that's just what pregnancy is like for me. Right. Yeah. Reasonable body. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so four months into breastfeeding and my symptoms weren't better. And at that point, my arthritis was bad enough that if I was like waking up at night to breastfeed and pushing myself off the bed, my wrist was buckling. And I was like, I don't want to drop my baby. Like it got to that point. And so at that point I was only eating meat and greens because I'd noticed that my response to like sweet potatoes and carrots made me feel worse a little bit, not noticeably, but worse enough that I was like, what's bugging me? What's bugging me? It has to be food because it was food before. Why would it not be food now? And in December, 2017, I got to the point where I was like, you know, steak isn't giving me an autoimmune response. I can just tell. So I'll just cut every other variable out. So I went to steak and I got rid of, I basically just got rid of salad because I was really just eating steak and salad at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when I went all meat and it was like a week and I felt slightly better, but there's a transition period when you drop and you stop eating carbs, like your microbiome shifts, your body Mm -hmm. It, you're the, you're just your body changes because you've been eating carbs forever to no carbs is quite different metabolically mm-hmm. so I my digestion was a, like a mess and I was like this can't possibly be healthy it was like right. getting bloated just like it's like this can't be healthy so I tried to bring salad back and then I woke up the next morning my arthritis was worse and I was itchy all over my body and I was like okay fine it's I'll just salad. give this a shot yeah it's like what whatever I have no idea what's going on so it was about a month and my mood improved enough that I stopped crying. I was like crying in the morning. I stopped crying in the morning. Uh, my arthritis went away and then it took about five months and the, the, the anxiety went away. And so five months later, I was like completely better. So your anxiety lifted. Yeah. So it was depression that lifted first. It took about six weeks. It was arthritis yeah. that lifted first. Then it was depression at about six weeks. And then five months later, the anxiety went away. That's wild to me because anxiety is a, wow. You get, you give a lot of people, a lot of things to think about when you say stuff like that, because anxiety is crippling to our population on, on a global scale. It, it was crippling to me. It was crippling to me. Like I, I, I was going to continue living like that, but that I, that was like my state of being was like, I'll keep living, but I'm not that happy about it. I'll just yeah, wait. Maybe it'll get better. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was completely unbearable. Like I'd have in the morning I'd wake up and it'd just be like all the problems in my life. How am I going to solve them? Every like clouds of overwhelming mm-hmm. thoughts and no clear path out of it. And it was just com- like intolerable. The depression was worse because the depression was the anxiety plus this feeling of impending doom, mm-hmm. but the, the anxiety was bad enough. Uh, and I've spoken to a lot of people because I've publicized the diet and was like, right. at least you can use it as an elimination diet to figure out what's bugging you. If it's right. food, um, people have to try it for at least six weeks. And if they're on psych meds, probably more like five months. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, but I've, I've talked to a lot of people who've gotten off of psych meds by using the diet and 
it seems to follow the same kind of trajectory of like six weeks to see improvement. Mm -hmm. And then if you're on a bunch of medication, it takes a little bit longer. Like if you haven't taken any psych meds, then you're probably actually in a luckier spot because then right. you, you might be feeling better in a month and a half instead of longer because you have to deal with the meds. But right. uh, it completely, completely changed my life. So part of the reason, like my main job is I'm doing the podcast, I'm talking to people on there and I've kind of gone away from diet a bit because I don't have any health problems anymore. Yeah, and you did the TEDx that talk about it. I did. Well. Yeah. Congratulations I'm, by the way. Thank you. I really hope they actually put it online. They Of course, what are you talking about? We'll see. You're being awfully silly. Okay. I think you're I'll, being awfully silly. I think it's going to be just fine. Okay, good. I really hope so. Like it'd be nice to get some case studies on the That's diet. I was going to ask you. Yeah, well, not yet. So it took a while for like the ketogenic diet. They've been using it to treat epilepsy like since 1920. But then when the pharmaceutical companies kind of took over and they had anti-epileptics, the ketogenic diet kind of fell off because it's a lot easier to take a pill than be on a restrictive diet. But there were, yeah, that too. Uh, So there are now studies again on a ketogenic diet, but technically the diet I'm on is a ketogenic diet that's plant-free. So okay. if, yeah, I'm in, because it's so high fat and everything, if you just eat meat, you're, you're in ketosis all the time. Right. Uh, so it has the same benefits of a ketogenic diet. And then if you have immune system problems or your body's being reactive to things, and that mm-hmm. could potentially be triggered by plant proteins. If your right. body's hyperactive, you shouldn't be reacting to plants. Like a healthy right. person shouldn't be eating a salad and then having an autoimmune flare up. That shouldn't be happening. But it's there are ideal. so many people who are like sick and damaged from medication and antibiotics and like stress and whatever else that people get a little hyperactive. Their immune system gets hyperactive and then they can start reacting to things. And one way to rule that out is to just get rid of all the variables. That's exactly it. We're going through something like that with my husband right now. He's really unwell and um, oh, happened man. out of the happened out of the blue about four weeks ago. We thought he dropped and had a heart attack, but it wasn't. And we don't know what it is. And they don't, he's 33. He's a healthy, like very fit. So now we're going through a food thing. We're doing this. We're on, yeah, we're on the path right now wholeheartedly. And it is uh, exhausting and horrific and painful to watch. And when you know, you can't fix someone, it's even worse. So I was like, I need to talk to Michaela because I know that she has used this as a way to make her life livable, but not only livable, thrive, you thrive. Thrive. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, because there are people that are going through things like this that have had babies. And for you, because you're a mother, how did you find that affected you or your body when you were in the middle of all of this? Yeah. So I was pretty paranoid about that because I was four months into breastfeeding and she was just breastfeeding. And I was like, there wasn't you know, now you can go into groups and there are like tens of thousands of people only eating meat. So it's a little less stressful. But at the time yeah. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> it's still, it's still stressful now for people, but it was really stressful. Um, but Scarlett had a couple of things ha- happen. So Scarlett had cradle cap and her cradle cap mm-hmm. went away when I switched my over. My son still has that. Yeah. I think I, I seriously think that's because my body was irritated and it was irritating her body when she was breastfeeding. Smart woman. Making I notes. think because her cradle cap went away and I was like, well, so that was really nice. Um, mm-hmm. m- my 
milk supply increased. It didn't decrease. And I think that's just because like, I was really quite ill. Like I had arthritis. I was itchy. I was depressed enough that I was crying every morning. Like I was pretty, I wasn't as sick as I'd been and I wasn't on any medication, but I was, I like, I thought, right. That's what I assumed. Um, Mm -hmm. but then it went away with diet. So Mm. plus it was before I actually gave birth. It was as soon as I got pregnant that the depression worsened. I like, I thought maybe it was stress and things, but then I had this full body itch and I was like, Mm. okay, that's not like, that's an immune response. The arthritis is an immune response. When it's when it's in your head, it's really difficult to figure out if it's situational or not. But from my experience, if you have like cycling thoughts and you're anxious, it's probably not situational. It's probably something your body's irritated by, but things just improved. Um, Scarlett was happier. Her cradle cap went away. My milk supply improved. And then that was about it. Wow. And then that just, after you had her, did you see anything with her? Have you seen anything? Because I I mean, I I only know from social media, but she eats meat predominantly. Predominantly. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I've been super paranoid as you can imagine, because I got sick when I was two. My first arthritic symptoms showed up when I was two and I was diagnosed when I was seven and I was so sick. My mom has an autoimmune disorder. She has lupus. My dad has an autoimmune disorder, depending on what doctor you ask. He was diagnosed as fibromyalgia. It's like nerve pain and things. And he's got like this major depressive disorder. They're Mm -hmm. both on the diet to keep their symptoms in remission. So this is, yeah. So this is like, I'm like, how much of this is genetic? I don't know. I know that celiac disease can be genetic because it's a gene. So I, so I've been super paranoid about her, but what I've decided is even according to the guidelines now, which you shouldn't take seriously, but even (laughs) according to them, um, a kid's first food should be meat high in iron. Like they've switched over from iron fortified cereal to actually meat because that's just natural. Because why? Yeah. Because yeah. So, Uh um, we did, we do primarily meat. Um, but she also eats most fruit and vegetables. Um, but I let her decide what she wants to eat, except I put a limit on fruit or she would just survive off of fruit. Fruititarian, your family would like collapse. She would. Yeah. She just eat, (laughs) she would just for sure just eat fruit. But, um, other than that, she kind of decides for herself. And then the rule is if she gets a rash, or if she's bloated, or I see mm-hmm. something that's a bit off, then we restrict again till the symptoms are gone and then expand again. Um, and she doesn't but, care, I'm assuming. No, I mean, she does, she's never had sugar. I'm one that's of those parents. my girl. I'm same with me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. She's had, she has honey. I give her honey. Jack Honey's has fine. Had, yeah. Honey is fine. Jack doesn't like honey. He did. Um, he never had sugar. He's never had juice. He's had water or breast yeah. milk. Like well, yeah, same with Scarlett, just water. Yeah, just water. Milk. Somebody tried to give him juice once and he just went like, Nothing. yeah, yeah. Candy at Halloween, he just gives it all to us. He yeah. just wants the toys. I'm like, yes. Yeah, right. And that's that saves you so much suffering because if you grow up eating sugar all the time, cutting out sugar is so awful. Like, like I've gotten off of so many medications and getting off of sugar was really, really hard. And so mm-hmm. if you just, I, I figure, cause she's going to go off to school and everything. So say when she's seven, that someone's going to give her a fruit roll up or something. I figure if you can get a kid to that stage, 
ideally they'll be able to taste it and be like, something's wrong because their palate is normal instead Jack of does that. Yeah. He yeah. hates it. How old he'll, is he? He'll, he's five. He just turned five the end of July. So yeah. we're only, ours are only a year apart. Yeah. And he started kindergarten uh, this week and he, I pack his lunch and it is hilariously healthy. And I think the worst in there is a couple goldfish crackers, but that's like, cause they look like fish. And so he, he doesn't even eat them. I just put them in for color. <laughs> try to think the school, I don't want the school to think I'm crazy completely. And he'll dummy it. And they, they has no issue, but kids will offer him plenty of snacks or candy. And I remember the day he put a chocolate bar in his mouth and he went to take a bite his face. He's like, ha, ha. like he hated it so much. And I was the most proud moment of my life, but all the other parents are like, what's the big deal? He doesn't like it. And I'm like, it's because he should never like it. Yeah. I feel oh. you. We're on the oh. same page. Yeah. On the same page. I, I know I only have five more minutes here and I have 900 things to ask you. So just bear with me here. Um, as you kind of moved forward into what you've got going on now and how you're functioning and how you're keeping everything at bay with your stress levels, as they've increased and your family stress and, and just that whole, you know, blowing up of who you are to the world, because I think you deserve it. What is it that you find the most difficult and, and how do you cope with all of that the best? So the most difficult by far were my family's health troubles. Like right. work can get stressful, you know, life can get stressful, but nothing is as stressful as witnessing somebody you love sick. Nothing right. else matters. Right. So the stress I deal with at work, which can be overwhelming. Like I've last week I was doing 15 hour days, which was ridiculous. Like I completely, I can't do that, but yeah. because my family's feeling better, it's like, oh, I'm exhausted physically, but it, who cares about this kind of exhaustion? So, right. um, but that being said, um, mostly how I've been dealing with stress, and this is something that's been actually new for me is, but I've been reading the Bible in the morning. Really? Yeah. And that's not, I didn't grow up religious at all, but that's well, made a massive. That's why. that's why you're reading it now. Yeah, probably. Because if you grow up, like I grew up, where you go to a Catholic school your whole life. Yeah, no, I didn't. You go to high school and then it's shoved down your throat that religion yeah. is everything. You distance yourself from it later in life. Yeah. Well, I've done the opposite and it's, but Good. like I did, I really didn't grow up with, I grew up with my dad teaching like the metaphors in the Bible, but nothing okay. more than that. And it didn't really resonate until my parents got sick and then something clicked and I was like, oh, so that's been what I've been doing recently. And it's been really helpful. And I think part of it is I have something to do. Like I'll wake up super early, make my bed, get dressed and then read for a while. And that means I don't just dive into, so I think about it logically. I don't just dive into work and social media right away. I spend like 15 minutes just reading where I'm not thinking about anything other than that. And I think mm -hmm. that just sets up my mind to like be calm at the beginning of the day. So that that's one aspect, but I don't know. It's helping Almost me though. Like almost like a silent meditation to yourself, yeah. really. That's what it seems like. That's beautiful though. It's nice to see that you found something that works for you that starts your day off properly because you go into that and, and, and is your daughter in kindergarten or preschool yet? Yeah. Yeah. So you know those mornings, what it's like. Yeah. Get, okay, gonna... I, <sighs> that's why I wake up early. Yeah. If I don't wake up early and I just get right into that, then I'm just stressed out for the rest of the day. What's early for you? Uh, six forty. 
Oh, so she gets up at a normal human time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I, hate, <laughs> I, I hate you a little bit. Huh? <laughs> I can see that. When does yours uh-huh, wake up? 4.35 every day. No. Ready to just rip. Just when does he go ready. to sleep? 7.38. That makes no like sense. Like clockwork. Yeah, he's a psychopath. <laughs> he's... I use that term very loosely with him because he, there is no reasoning that any human would want to get up that I can't even get up early and, and have a meditation. That's all my, my point is. That's brutal. Yeah. It's listen, there are ways that kids, they function completely different than us. Some kids sleep, some just want to be sociopaths. I, whatever works for you. I'm glad you have found things though, that have worked for you in your healing and in your progression but I know I, you have to go now, but I do want to tell you, this has not been enough, not even close. I have 900 more questions for you. And we would love to have you back on literally any time that you want to make time to come back on. Okay. That sounds like fun. Are you, yeah. where are you located? I'm in Vancouver. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm in the Canadias. I know you're moving. I'm moving. Yeah. When are you moving? October 15th. Oh my God. I am literally going to be in America around that time again. Where so, are you going? All over the place. Nice. I'm in all over the place. I'm leaving after this conversation to go hop on a plane to Texas. So. Wow. Well, have yeah. fun. It was nice meeting you. That was fun. It, it was great meeting you. I know that was so short. Sorry. I normally do like, honestly, through up to three hours where I, cause I have so many questions. I'm so curious about the people I talk with and I have like 900 things I want to talk to you about. I just find you fascinating. I will, I will come back on. This was fun.